0: Hey Junior Nation, now more than ever, exclusive, entertaining, and free content from the world of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is no further away than your fingertips. It's all thanks to Dale Jr.'s Dirty Mo' Radio presented by Exalta. All eight Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and of course, dalejr.com. So whether you're at home, at work, in the gym, on the run, or just hanging out, Dirty Mo' Radio gives Junior Nation its newest and most versatile way yet to plug directly into the world of Earnhardt, anytime, anywhere.
1: This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. I love you Mom. One of the most influential women in NASCAR. I love my mom. My sister Kelly always has my back. I couldn't be prouder of my daughter. I love my wife Kelly. She's my best That's friend. Welcome to this week's Fastlane family brought to you by Bedhead by TG. You can get Bedhead by TG products at your local Ulta. And you can also visit Ulta.com and enter TG15 and save 15% off your favorite TG styles at checkout. This week joining me in the Exalta studio is Miss Jamie McDowell. Jamie is the wife of sprint car driver michael mcdowell michael runs for levine family circle sport racing in the number 95 car every sunday almost every sunday how That's
0: are you i'm good thanks for having me the
1: best thing about jamie that we're going to talk we're going to talk a lot about family and stuff today she has four kids mm-hmm. I'm so proud of her for being here and and she's seen you seem relaxed <laughs> and yeah i mean you don't seem like a mom of four oh I'd be pulling my hair out <laughs> You Good handle thing. that well
0: Because then we have makeup right
1: right yeah <laughs> yeah so um before we get into kids and all that i always kind of like to to start with you and michael are both from the phoenix arizona area is that That's right, right. Yeah. and where you met how did you guys met. meet
0: we met in middle school oh wow yeah. okay so middle school sweetheart. 13 13 years old <laughs> well we hated each other in middle school oh you did we okay were, <laughs> had the same group of friends but he and i just did not get along he didn't like how outspoken I was and, and told people how I felt or what I thought, <laughs> and which is something he likes in me today. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we didn't really care for each other, but we kept the same group of friends, so we were always, you know, around each other. Yeah. And uh, in high school, he just fell for me how about <laughs> and that and so y'all been together ever since that's right yeah
1: yeah, yeah. gracious how so, awesome. been
0: chasing him around
1: <laughs> and you got married in november of 2004 yeah did you guys get married out in arizona or were you
0: 2005 in a, 2005 yeah okay uh yeah we got married in arizona mesa yeah beautiful outdoor wedding so it was an November, so it's
1: a little cooler out there then. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always nice though yeah. in Phoenix yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Can't get yeah. bad can't get too much bad weather there, I'll <laughs> say. <laughs> and so when did I know Michael was a cart racer and, and did some things like that, so when did his career bring him away from Arizona? Um let's see. It was
0: in two thousand I think we yeah. moved to North Carolina. Um, he had met a gentleman the name of Rob Finlay out at uh, the Bob Bondurant School of Driving. That's where he worked as a teenager. And um, he had met a gentleman there that was interested in racing. And uh, so he asked Mike to put together a proposal of what it would look like and what it would take to be a driver and <laughs> so of course Mike incorporated himself in that <laughs> of course what smart any wouldn't. good person would <laughs> right right so um they started racing in the uh what was the Rolex series i see
1: they did a lot of different road racing type yeah, things. Yeah. yeah yeah so
0: um they were co-drivers in that and that and they started their own team uh Finlay Motorsports and um then hired other drivers and it got more serious and uh he was doing that for a couple of years with uh rob and the team and then just really felt like he needed to move on move up and keep going for his goals of you know reaching the top of motorsports and so you know i think as a kid his dream was always to go indycar f1 mm-hmm. you know open wheel stuff road racing but as he grew and he's you know six one six two <laughs> he realized he was probably a little big for that <laughs> sport. and the opportunities were small so uh nascar was the way he he went and uh, felt like there's more opportunities that way and stuff so uh, rob helped him get into a car in arca i believe that was in 2007 maybe 2006 yeah. and uh so he raced a season in ARCA and then um, he did a lot of success there. Yeah. A lot, really success well. yeah, a lot of success yep, there. Yep. So that was fun. And then we talked to MWR and he went cup racing the very yeah, next year. That was year. quite the jump. Huge yeah, jump. From
1: ARCA to Sprint Cup. Yeah. yeah I saw like that. A,
0: yeah. So that was a rough year being a rookie in the Cup Series with a rookie crew chief that came from Indy. And, um so a lot of trials there. Lots of challenges stuck yeah. up there. <laughs> yeah. So something I really admire about Mike, he's really um, stuck with it and followed his dreams and his passions, you know.
1: he uh, He's really endured being in the sport. And, uh, what did you think, uh, you know, n- knowing that y'all didn't really care for each other when you kind of first met, but then through high school knowing that was his dream at that point and and maybe you know did you think about what your life would be like or have any clue yeah, <laughs> at that point it's funny i
0: uh no i just yeah. it was like you just went along with the joy ride and but you know i made decisions like in high school i uh took extra classes and graduated a semester early so that i could be done and we moved out on our own when we were 17 and just really and then i started chasing around the world and you know and he <laughs> Decided to move here to North Carolina. I remember being at a, um, he was racing Mazda, uh, the Mazda, uh, Star Mazda series, open wheel. And um, we were at a race and he was on the phone with his dad. We were driving along and I heard him say, well, what do you think? Do you think I should move out there? And I'm like sitting right next to him going like, uh, hello, like, are we in this together? Are you, you know, like, am I going?
1: you want to talk to your wife about this? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah.
0: He was like, we weren't married yet. So uh, we were just boyfriend uh, girlfriend. Uh, but uh. I was like, well, You're pretty serious. Yeah. So, um, when he got off the phone, he's like, well, I think I'm going to do it. So you can come with me or you can stay. Uh, I'm like, don't leave me behind.
1: <laughs> right. I want to go too.
0: <laughs> so yeah, That's we funny. moved out here when we were 19 years old. Wow so yeah. that's crazy
1: that's crazy just to been think about
0: a whirlwind and you know it's funny like things that you know he's like one day we're gonna do it like this and one day you know we're gonna get to fly on planes and you're gonna get to go everywhere with me and I was like you're crazy or <laughs> not you know it's, everything has happened the way he said <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't think I have a 15 year old daughter and I think my goodness could I imagine her you know being married and yeah. moving away at 19 you know, know. It's, no it's, um, I know it's, we
0: have friends uh That have, you know, kids that our age, when we started dating, are like, oh, don't let them,
1: don't let them go. (laughs) Got some different advice for them. (laughs) So you guys uh, started a family. Your oldest is uh, Trace. He's seven. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I want to talk, you have four kids and I want to talk about um, all of them and uh, the adoption process and, and, and um, just, God, you've, you've had so much going on. I read a story and I see you, you guys, you know, had trace and then you were, um, you were on a cruise. Is that right? Yeah. we were on the Caleb cruise. Yeah. 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 So
0: we met some folks in the orphan care ministry. People who work really closely with orphan care. And,
1: um, let's back up a minute and talk about your faith first. Um, because I read something, that's something that has developed in your life you, you really weren't raised no. in that environment and no. talk about that for a few minutes yeah neither
0: Mike or I uh yeah. were really raised in Christian homes and we were just kind of living life on our own and you know just uh chasing yeah racing dreams making and, your own decisions and, yeah and just yeah and stuff and um, <laughs> then we um, both came to know the Lord in 2005 and um so we became how were you introduced and- to that Through one of Mike's mentors, um, he was working for two different gentlemen and uh, older gentlemen that were wonderful men of God. And, um, you know, it's not that they ever really talked to Mike about Christianity or, you know, tried to really interject in his life. They just lived differently. And that really made a difference to Mike. Yeah. 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 And then um, one of the gentlemen, Ron Huber, he... I had a freak accident and passed away he hit his head falling off of a segway scooter and so when we were at his funeral the other gentleman the other mentor of mike's was there and he and his wife unknowingly separately kind of pulled us aside and asked us some serious questions about where we stood and what we thought about ron's death and both mike and i were blown away at the uh celebration of life service that we went to for ron and how happy his family seemed, and how they, you know, they weren't like just sad and grieved. It wasn't like a with funeral. It, right? And, you know, it was just amazing. And people were celebrating Ron, and just, I don't know, it was so different for us. And we recognized that, noticed that. So Mike went away, like, kind of thinking about some things that Tom had asked him. And I went away. Tom's wife, Georgia, had asked me things. And I went away, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hell. Like, I've got to get my life together. This is scary and um i thought i need to leave mike i got to get you know i've got to get straight where we've been together and since we we're 15 and living together since we were 17 and so um anyway we went back home to north carolina and you know after a couple of weeks all that wears off and you just live life and you
1: get back yeah go back to what you knew <laughs> yeah
0: and um but then i was working at the gym one day and i forgot my water bottle Took money to the vending machine. The vending machine says it's out of water. I'm like, for the love, I just want to run, but I'm gonna, yeah, you know, I need my water. So I went to the front desk and said, you know, you have a cup or anything? I put some water in. And the manager walked by. I said, you know what? We just had an event. I have some water bottles left over. It was a LifeWay, Life point Christian Church water bottle. So I worked out. I sat and read the water bottle. Went home. Checked out the website. We went the next Sunday and. Um, you know, being young and being here without any family and, uh, you know, one, one friend we, uh, (laughs) went and they were so nice and open and loving. And, uh, we went back the next week and they remembered our names. I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) People (laughs) know us. And that's kind of what drew us in just like the kindness and the love that they showed us. And we just dove in head first and a lot of questions and just really just took everything and
1: just have grown from there yeah Yeah.
0: so really we've really grown in our faith over the years you know but uh it's amazing what god has done in our life you know i think back of you know, where we could be and just the, the man that he's turned Mike into yeah. and how he leads our family and everything. That's awesome.
1: So, yeah. So, so let's get back to the kids on that note. So uh, was, is that the same time frame that you guys started thinking about a family or had you started? A family?
0: Um, so that was, yeah. a yeah. so yeah. was a little bit earlier when we became Christians a little bit earlier. Yeah. And then a few years after the year that he was driving for MWR and we said, well, what are we going to do? You know, we had been together for like, I don't know, eight, 10 years Uh, married for a couple, and uh, we were like, should we start a family, or what, you know, and, you know, we were traveling, I'm traveling every weekend, 36 weeks a year, you know, and sort of like, you know, should we start, or should we wait, well, he's going to be in this for a long time, we thought, so, Let's just start. And then by the time our kids are grown, you'll be ready to retire. And then we can really enjoy life because we're going to be traveling anyways. So we decided to do that. But, you know, it was very important to us. And we said from the very beginning, if we're going to do this thing together and we're going to do it as a family, we're going to do it as a family, as a family unit. It's important for us. We're going to make it happen where we travel with him together. Yeah, we didn't want our kids to have just, you know, Monday through Wednesday, daddy, he wanted to be, it was important for him to be very involved in our kids' lives and for our kids to be involved in his career. And so um, that's just one thing that we've always kept, you know, is that whatever we have to do, cut corners, do whatever. So we keep that motor home on the road and make sure that we're going. And, <laughs> you know, right now we have four how kids. Do you, I was going to say, how do you guys make that work? <laughs> we drive, we drive yeah. our own motor home and we load up all the kids and, so you live on the seats? road a lot. We do. Yeah. 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 Because
1: that driving schedule, you have to be yeah. on the road Tuesdays and Wednesdays so yeah. a, lot of, a lot of weeks.
0: Absolutely. So, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a sacrifice for Mike. That's a lot of yeah. driving for yeah. a driver. After he races 500 miles, he loads up absolutely. and drives 800 miles back home or whatever it is, you know. So definitely a sacrifice and it's hard sometimes, but it's always worth it. The kids absolutely love it. And they're so attached to him and um it's really kept our family unit i think very strong and healthy yeah. so. and
1: so trace is school age do you homeschool no he's no? in uh, yep
0: pine lake charter school oh wow yeah okay. so um hit last year was his first year in kindergarten uh-huh. and so um you know i think too we had trace and we still traveled a lot and then uh, a few years later when we had emma our second and dwindled off a few races and every year we've added a child or the years have gone on so now we go to give or take half of the races got it okay yeah got it yeah
1: makes it a little bit more manageable yeah exactly yeah Yeah. and so it was before emma that you guys um yeah after we had trace
0: and um we were introduced to these people in orphan care ministry and just really found out some staggering facts about the orphan how many orphans there are and um babies dying on the street every day in these third world countries and just just crazy facts that we had no idea you know we were just living life and um so we started financially supporting these ministries and felt like um and just and that God worked in our hearts and we getting their newsletters and reading these stories of you know personal stories of different orphans and different families and God just slowly worked in our hearts, and so that was in January, February, and by September, we had made the decision to go ahead and adopt. So our son, Trace, was 18 months old, and um, we decided we were going to do the adoption thing. Pregnancy was not fun for me, so we <laughs> thought, well, this is a way to grow our family. Pregnancy sounds good. Let's nix that out of here. Uh, but it was, it was a long process. It's a lot of paperwork. They want to know every little detail of your life. Um and so did you
1: choose China as your first place to adopt no or, yeah that's so, why our
0: story is so long it's yeah. a little bit more intricate um the first country that we tried to adopt from was Ethiopia and um it was a popular country to adopt from six years ago and a lot of corruption started happening because there were so many families going there to adopt so people were taking babies that didn't need to be orphans and you know promising families that they would pay them money for these children and things like that, and it's just so sad cause it didn't need to happen. Yeah. There's so many true orphans there that, you know, need to be adopted, but because of all the corruption and government corruption, and the government said, whoa, 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 we need to slow this down, and they backed up. Um, they ended up decreasing their adoptions by 90%. So when we first entered the program, they said it would be 9 to, nine to 18 months to get a child from Ethiopia. And uh, a couple months later when all that started happening, now it takes you a good five, six years to get a child. And then um, the waiting time in between, you might get a match and a year later you might bring that child home. So it's just a long, grueling process Yeah, I've heard stories
1: too of of being matched up with kids and then losing that opportunity. Losing them, yeah. Yeah. This is
0: a sad thing. So in all that, we said, okay, well, wait, let's just back up for a second. Let's pray about this for a few minutes and decide, you know, if this is really the way you want to go. It sounds like a lot of crazy stuff's happening over there. And so we prayed about it for a couple of months. And, um, in that time, I just really felt like God was moving in me. Like I, I wanted to get this going again. I, I wanted to add another child to our family and, um, i was like i think we need to do something i don't know what that something is and i was on facebook one day and our agency's page showed up but when i was scrolling through that they had just signed with the honduran government to do adoptions through honduras and so that was exciting and so we're like well it's a new program let's talk to our agency about it they thought it would be a great match for us so we went ahead and moved our adoption over to honduras more paperwork and we uh got all the paperwork together everything we had to do which was even more intense even than Ethiopia they wanted our dogs vaccine records oh, gosh. and they mm-hmm. wanted everything um and so are we a had lot of a,
1: those um things that they request based on the country request or is it your agency that's the country, the country each country individual country has their own different guidelines and different yeah. Things. Gotcha. yeah gotcha yeah
0: so we had to have psychological evaluations done and all this stuff. So we got our dossier put together, which is all the paperwork that you've gathered over the last couple of months. We've got all that together and shipped it over there. And we found out about six months after that had showed up in Honduras, we got a call from our agency that said, I'm so sorry, I don't know how this has happened, but your file has been sitting on top of a filing desk untouched for the last six months. So all this time we thought that it was being translated and processed and approved and we were going to get on that wait list and we were ready to be matched with a wow. child and nothing was happening. Wow. So another six months had gone by. And during that time, we started talking, you know, both Mike and I would come to each other at different times and say, what do you think about trying to get pregnant again? No way, no way. I don't want to do that. And then the other one would, you know, we just kept going back and forth. One of us would be ready and the other one wouldn't. And just finally, um, after we had found that out at some point, we just said, well, let's just see what happens. You know, we'll get off birth control and just see what happens. And, um, turns out together we're pretty fertile so (laughs) (laughs) didn't take long and we got pregnant with Emma our second and so that was three and a half years after Trace was born so about a year and a half after we started the adoption process and um, just kept moving forward with the adoption you know everything was over there and in their hands and we just prayed that you know it would all go through but Honduras had a lot of issues too uh, with their government a lot of corruption Um, their director of adoptions was Under investigation. And so the investigation took a while. Then they got him out of office and they had to rehire that position, which then took some time. And then once that person got in to office, he wanted all the agencies uh, to reapply. So it didn't have anything to do with us. Our actual agency had to reapply with the Honduran Mm -hmm. government to be approved. And so that took some time. And then every other month, the workers were going on strike because they weren't getting paid and they were overworked. And it just seemed like thing after thing is like another email, Rapping, yeah. you know, and it's just longer and longer. And, um, so we, uh, waited about, I think it was about four years, uh, with our, our, uh, dossier in Honduras. And we started out as 143 on the wait list worldwide. And, uh, when our agency called us last July, Our agency called us and said, you know, we'll stick with you if you want to stick with this program. But I just want you to know that it's not a very successful program. Um, Honduras has only completed two adoptions worldwide per year. Wow. And um, we had moved up to 100 on the wait list. But at 100, two adoptions (laughs) per year, we still had 10 years (laughs) ahead of us. And so, in also in that time, we had uh, decided to have one more. We got pregnant with Riley right away, one shot. And so, we were like, well, you know, we don't know what we should do, but 10 years is ridiculous, and we're just ready, you know, to get this adoption done. We want to get a child. We want to be matched. We want to, you know, have a completion.
1: What held your... You know, that what what just held your faith in that while you have three kids of your own at this point? Yeah. And, and what was it about the adoption that you guys really felt that you wanted to do? You know, I can't describe it because there's so other much way. that you've talked about yeah. that you just would say, okay, yeah, I'm over this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right? Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, there are so many years that went by that. It almost just became like a paperwork process that, yeah. you know, actually getting a child didn't ever feel like it was the reality. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I can't describe it any other way, but it was just a call from God that never left our hearts. And we just felt pulled towards it. And giving up felt like, I mean, just giving up on a child, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it just never felt like that was okay. And um, when our agency offered to move our our dossier to another program we went ahead and decided on china they have right now they have a wait it's called a waiting child program every child in this program has some sort of disability and it was a pretty fast program and so we uh, got all of our paperwork done and got everything ready sent it and um in august of last year they emailed us and said we have this little boy we want you guys to take a look at it we think he might be a good match for your family and so we all gathered around all of us and we're all excited on our little phone and we showed our kids the pictures of him and we read about him and his story and oh we were so excited and then um, a couple hours later we were in the car going somewhere and Mike's like so I don't know what do you think and I'm like oh, I don't know how to feel like I don't know how I'm <laughs> supposed to feel, you know, and I want him. I like yeah. he's, he feels like mine already. And he's like, I feel the same way. So we emailed our agency and said, you know, like, we want to go for it. We want to pursue him. So it took some time and just the government's talking to each other. And you that know, was last August. Last yeah, August. So, so, so here we go. Yeah. The China saying, OK, U.S., you know, we approve this family to adopt. Now you tell us that you approve this child to come to your country, you know, just the communication between the two countries and different government offices and more paperwork and waiting 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 it felt like and so finally um in july we got the call that we had been approved for travel and that we were able to go and pick him up So um, it was an exciting time. It was also hard because we had hope for June. Mike had a two week window where,
1: yeah, with the weekend off and everything. He would have been
0: able to travel to go and get Lucas. So, you know, seeing
1: that coming hard. So from August to July. Like what interaction are you having? What do you What do you know? What do you Yeah, not know? very little. Very yeah. it was hard. You know, we got because um, your agency, I assume, is doing the legwork. Yes, right. Yes,
0: and our agency um has a group called um the Super Kids, and so they have a group of physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, um, doctors, and nurses, volunteers that will go to these countries and different orphanage that our agency works with and they'll see these kids and then they'll promote them kind of, Yeah, like evaluate them. Yeah. yeah, And they'll, you know, say like, this is Lucas and he's three years old and he's amazing. (laughs) And um, so because they had made two trips since we got uh, our child's file, we were able to get pictures of our child sent to us because they knew that we were pursuing this little boy. So they yeah. went specifically and took pictures and worked with him and brought us back answers. You know, um, our little guy, he has cleft hands and feet. So he's only got two fingers on each hand and three toes on one foot and two on the other. And so, you know, we wanted specific pictures of that. So we knew what we were expecting and um, talked to orthopedic surgeons before he came to see where we start with all that. And um, so things like that, how big is he? What size clothes do I bring yeah so we were able to get some information but it was uh, over a year two times yeah. So that feels like nothing yeah. to a mama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to see this boy. I want I want yeah. him to know about me. We were able to send him a little care package, but he couldn't know who it was from because Aww. we hadn't been approved for him yet. Right. So, you know, we sent him a little stuffed animal and one of Mike's little die cast cars. And at and his age like at
1: that. three, you know, how much does he understand about being adopted, right? You right. You know? Yeah. And, and yeah. That, yeah. That just... So your kids, Riley, obviously at two um she knows she has a great new little brother yeah um Trace is probably the one that maybe understood it the most and and, you know what did you talk to him about and and accepting him into your family yeah
0: Trace and Emma both really got it Trace the most I mean Trace was so excited Uh, Trace is always excited every time I got pregnant or anything he is like born to be a big brother he's such a caretaker (laughs) he has the biggest heart so he was always very excited and I mean, from the beginning when we showed him the profile, he was like, okay, so when are we booking our travel, like we're all going to get him, right? Like we're doing <laughs> this together and we're like, buddy, like you don't even eat McDonald's. You're never going to last over in China. <laughs> Not going to work. <laughs> but, um, so he was always excited and yeah, we just talked to him, you know, the, we explained to them what an orphan was. You know, these kids that their mommy and daddies couldn't take care of them for whatever reason, and uh, that they were abandoned and they live in an orphanage and they don't have mommy and daddy. And so we were going to be the mommy and daddy. And um, you know, they seemed to really get it. Yeah. And it didn't matter to them that yeah. you know this child was born to another woman. He just knew that he was ours. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool that childlike faith, like. It doesn't matter his color. Yeah. Doesn't matter where yeah. he's from. Like he's my brother. At their
1: ages, that's so. It's it's a lot more. I would assume a lot easier to introduce. You yeah. Know? I mean, just yeah. That they're the kids are so resilient at those ages, and yeah, anything goes. You know, as long as mom and dad are yeah behind it, and you know, it's it's part of your fabric of your family yeah essentially yeah so yeah
0: and emma i mean she was so young when we had riley they're only 20 months apart so she was still such a little girl a little baby anyway so (laughs) i think now when we brought lucas home you know she's almost four years old she really understood that she was going to get to be the big sister and she was going to get to help him learn things and share her toys with him and teach him and she wanted to share toys (laughs) yes because she Felt like she was in that role of yeah. big sister. Yeah. So, yeah. very exciting for her. And, yeah, Riley, you know, I'm not sure she could just, like, show her pictures. Who was that? Luca, you yeah. know. <laughs> so.
1: so, you're prepared to go to China. Do you go by yourself? You
0: yes. Yeah. So, friend, yeah, family? we had to make the decision of traveling without Mike, which was hard. And um, But, yeah, we had these great family friends of ours, uh, Jean and Mary Chrysilic, who, traveled with me okay. um so yeah he uh does a lot of international travel so I felt really safe with him traveling yeah. I knew he would take care of I everything be scary not knowing yeah so and then she was just a great emotional spiritual support for me so they and you were there three oh weeks God, two weeks two weeks mm-hmm. two weeks yeah it felt like an eternity when you were there <laughs> especially well, away from my husband and yeah, my babies yeah. and so I knew it, it became kind of like a task, you know, go there, get him, get his visa. You can bring him this, home, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every day it was a new thing, you know, get this piece of paper, get that, yeah. you know.
1: And how, what was your interaction during those two weeks with Lucas?
0: Um, so we got there on a Saturday evening, toured Beijing on Sunday, uh, flew to Lucas's province, his city, Sunday evening, and I got Lucas Monday morning. Once I got him, he was mine full time. Wow so yeah i had him almost the entire two weeks um Jean and mary and i and lucas shared like a two-room suite so we had like a com shared common space but we each had our own rooms so um we we're like a little family there and yeah i mean um i got to have lucas the whole time and you know the first moments when I got him to look back on—it's it just heart-wrenching. Oh, so you're hard. gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, was, I can't imagine. It was so hard, and to just—he didn't want me. Yeah. And I have—I wanted to ask about that and, what, and praying yeah. for this child, for him to accept me and his heart to know me. But he wanted his nannies. That's who he knew. Yeah. That's who had raised him for the last three years. And here's this strange white woman who doesn't speak his <laughs> language, you know, trying to take him away. And that um, was very
1: scary. Obviously went to the, his facility, his orphanage, where he was. And no. That, no? We
0: actually, this is the saddest little thing. Is <laughs> at the civil affairs office in oh, China. Wow. Um, so you're just So they a bring the kids. They give you the building. kid. Yeah, you're in a government building. There were wow. three other families with me, so four total. Two other little girls and another little boy. Plus Lucas who were being adopted that day and my my sweet boy he was the last one I was the last one to hand over my paper so he stood there and watched each of his friends get picked up by these random families and start screaming and freaking out and he's like whoa what's happening and then it was his turn to be handed over and he was already getting upset watching all that happen then so it was really hard for him I think I mean it's gonna be hard anyways, but then to watch all of that happen yeah, just standing yeah. there as this sweet little three year old looking up at everything going around him. What is going on? Yeah, and in this like, <laughs> you know, stale office dark <laughs> yeah building, you know, and so it was tough and it just I mean, the four families walked around just cradling them, carrying yeah. them, trying to comfort them and love them and just uh wow. calming him and uh, it was so hot in there We were both just sweating and, um, you know, there was moments where I just wanted to break down and lose it. And, but, uh, the hardest thing was to just trying to explain it. He kept saying mama, mama, and just looking at his nanny. So I believe that that's just what they called all the nannies is there yeah. in the orphanage. That was just a universal name.
1: And lucky so. that he had caretakers that he even had that connection with. Absolutely. Cause I, uh, know a family adopting from Latvia and, and 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 talking about situations where they don't even have that you yeah know? they they don't even they, yeah some of them don't even get touched and picked up and yeah. loved on yeah so. and we did have
0: the opportunity to go to his orphanage and yes he was yeah. so blessed by yeah. these ladies they really loved the kids and the orphanage was very well kept and very nice and when we went the kids seemed happy yeah. you know they weren't chasing us out the door and trying to cling to our legs or, right, you know they right. seemed happy and um i think he was at one of the very best orphanages And which as so.
1: much as as heart-wrenching as your description is of those first days together knowing that you had a child coming from that happy background Mm -hmm. will go a lot further, I think in the long term, right? You know, obviously got past those initial few weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So he did, I mean, he did great. Once we left that building, took him a little while and he just really, I mean, I had toys and we looked at pictures on my phone and things that just kind of made him loosen up and start to trust me. And, you know, and it was just, kind of the way life was I and mean, taking him to all these different places and his first time in a car and going around the city and went to a zoo you know all these places the things that he's experiencing that he's never so you're basically sort of like before. a little
1: vacation while you're yeah. waiting you're and you're <laughs> waiting for the visa and all the paperwork right. to process for that two weeks yeah. to get going yeah what do you think about the plane ride he did
0: so good. I am <laughs> telling you, my, none of my other three children would have done as well as he did. He did so good. Um, only time he got upset on the plane two times. Uh, one time I traded him plates. They serve you a meal. And I traded him plates, and that was not okay with him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe he He's used to so somebody like, taking Mom his plate is or taking something. Taking my plate <laughs> right. at the orphanage. Maybe someone took yes. his food a lot or something. Yeah.
0: So, and the other time he thought I was taking his snack, but I was just opening it for him. Those are only two times he got upset on the plane. So he slept. He did great. He watched the little TV screen in front. Of him. He loves electronics. So having his own little TV screen in front of him was like amazing. That was awesome. <laughs> So, yeah, he did so good. I think I probably did a lot worse. I was ready to get yeah. home. I was ready to see my babies. My husband <laughs> was leaving the next day. I was like, I got to get home. I was on a mission.
1: Did you have worries in your mind as far as, you know, bringing him to your home and just introducing him to our culture? Sure. Of course. I mean, you know, especially
0: because he looks different. Yeah. You know, he, it it's an obvious thing. You look at him, you see his hands. It's one of the first things you're going to see. It looks different. So, having people, you know, looking, pointing, staring, talking, laughing, whatever, especially kids, you know, Um, but, you know, it's just always been my prayer that Mike and I would be able to teach him who his creator is and that he was created in God's image and that he will never be shaken from who he is in Christ, you know, that nobody will be able to tell him where he doesn't belong because he wasn't born into our family or because he looks different but that he knows he belongs to Christ that's always been my prayer for him so just really focusing on that and praying for him and praying bringing him back you know and him accepting my children that was another worry you know I had been over in China with him for two weeks we lived in two different hotels and we got to do all this fun stuff when we bring him home was like I just laughed. I thought when we came <laughs> home, he's like, oh, we're at a new orphanage. There's more kids. There's another caretaker. It's like, <laughs> I'm not sure what this poor kid is thinking, yeah. you know, yeah. and the language, yeah. you know, being able to communicate with him. But he's doing so good. He understands most of what we say. Um, and he's really starting to communicate with us in English. And so. Um, and that's just yeah. happened naturally. Yeah. The English part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we just, we speak to him like he's a toddler, you yeah. know, and you're little, toddler goes and they start touching things they aren't supposed to touch or you know you just we speak to him like you can't touch that that's owie that's hot that's you know and he's getting it like we pull up to get home from being out We say okay let's get out and now we pull up <laughs> and he says words. out <laughs> 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 he knows get these belts off
1: <laughs> oh, there's got to be that universal language between the kids too that just happens like, yeah they probably don't even have to really talk you know <laughs> yeah I know my kids like
0: they think it's so great they yeah. play with him and he speaks in Chinese and they just laugh and they try to repeat what he says and <laughs> They just think That's it's awesome. so fun, and he thinks it's hilarious that they
1: laugh at him. So, and he's been to his first race, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I saw that online. Home three yeah. days and put him on the motorhome. <laughs> oh, gosh. Here you go for a ride, kid. That's right. <laughs> he probably hadn't ridden very much. No. You know? Yeah. On, now we live in a mobile home. And yeah.
0: <laughs> too so, funny. yeah, he's experienced a lot in his first three weeks here in the U.S. But, yeah, so we went to two races. We went to Pocono and Watkins Glen. So uh thought that was cool. He loves to wear headphones. That's so like his favorite part of the racetrack, I think, right now. <laughs> Too funny. So and trying to teach him, you know, when we're watching the race cars on the T V like that's daddy, daddy, you know, and he's still learning
1: daddy. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the fact that there's yeah. a man here. I don't yeah. know if any of his caretakers there were no, yeah. male. Yeah. So Oh they, yeah, he's that's fascinating. He's
0: just really adjusted so well, I think as far as adoptions go you know we couldn't have
1: asked for a better story yeah you t- you mentioned briefly you know the the children that you were the group that you were dealing with in China mostly dis- disabilities and mm-hmm. um, what's what is lucas's story yeah
0: so um in China they have the one-child policy um they just passed this year in 2016 two children so the Chinese people are now allowed to have two children but beyond that you can't and um, there's a lot of forced abortion forced sterilization um, over there and they make it nearly impossible to have to just through fines medical is huge they can't afford medical really it's so expensive there and so um these kids that are born with any sort of disability, deformity, they're not this perfect image that the Chinese people are looking for to carry on their namesake. To have one child. Yeah, right. they only get yeah. one shot at yeah. it. So when they are born looking different, imperfect, they're abandoned. and um, Or maybe they got pregnant a second time and they can't afford it. Or maybe the child has an illness that they can't afford to pay for. So a lot of kids are being abandoned. Um, Lucas, obviously, with the cleft hands and feet, I mean, that's a pretty big and evident deformity to look at every day. And so, you know, I have this picture in my head of what his mother and Westa went through. She carried this child for nine months. He's born, he looks different. The father refuses to accept this child. And so uh, he will abandon her, reject her if she t- keeps the child the family will not support this child, her family. So they refuse to accept her or this child. So now she's on the street by herself and a woman with a baby trying to uh, provide a way for herself in China is just not going to happen. It's not It is so
1: hard to imagine those scenarios, you know, she has, we we take so much for granted here. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Be abandoned or be, uh, abandoned my child. So, you know, she has to make that very difficult decision and, Um, From what we know, at five days old, Lucas was found laying on the street in front of a noodle company across from a college campus, Wow! Um, just about a mile down from the orphanage that he was raised in. So, yep, just five days old, and um, police officers from the college campus found him and took him over to the orphanage, and that's where he was raised for the last three years. Wow. So, I love those little fingers and little toes. No
1: kidding you know, a lot of people say, you know, why not adopt in America? Um, you know, I was going to ask that question, didn't you? <laughs> not, I don't have these beliefs, yeah. but you know, you read a lot of things you, you wanted to adopt. You have to know what the difference is between adopting here and adopting there and why you felt compelled and led to do that. Sure. Um, You know, tell me about that so other people can hear that and know.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, Mike and I did a lot of research uh, when we started and for us, It was more of a call from the Lord. We prayed a lot through this process and um, really felt led internationally. We felt like um, domestic adoptions are great and they're needed. And there are plenty of children here that need to be adopted. Um, You know, there's a lot of sad stories here too. We felt like the worst off orphan in America was still gonna be better off than the best off orphan in these third world countries. And we just felt like the need was so great, especially when we started and we wanted to adopt from Ethiopia. Um, thousands of babies are dying yeah, on the street there. There's just not, not enough clean water, not enough medical advancements. Mothers are dying in childbirth every day. It's just a really it's grim critical. situation yeah. over there. Yeah. And so, um, you know, God led us to China and that's where we ended up. But, um, you know, we just felt the call really. We still think it's amazing. People can adopt uh, domestically or internationally. Yeah. An orphan's an orphan, and every orphan Everywhere. child has been abandoned, and they need a home, and they need a family. So yeah. definitely adoption, you know, doesn't matter where you go, where you pursue it. I think it's a huge thing and a great way to impact a child's life. But for us, the call was international. Yeah.
1: Did you have an idea on the age of the child that you wanted to adopt? Or?
0: Um, we had set a limit. When we first started, the um, I think in Honduras the child couldn't be older than our firstborn. Gotcha. So as Trace kept getting older yeah. and over as the years, that changed. our <laughs> our age increased. But when we went um, when we finally moved uh, our adoption to China, we said four years or younger. Um, we just felt like that three to four age range was a good age range. Before I felt like real emotional issues start setting yeah. in. Yeah. Um, and not that. You know, these kids with real emotional issues don't need help. But I just felt like with my hands full, of three. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to. Yeah, you have to
1: look at your situation, yeah. the lifestyle, the, if you guys traveling and all those different things, and yeah. what fits for your family exactly. And what you can so, do yeah. And it worked out perfect. We're not super women. <laughs> yeah.
0: Our baby's still the baby. Our oldest is still the oldest. So he well, squeezed well. right in, and he uh, fits perfect. So that's awesome. So awesome.
1: Yeah. So what is next for the McDowell family? What's What's on the horizon?
0: You know, every year we just <laughs> pray, like, what do you have for us? And, you know, God keeps opening the doors in NASCAR for Mike. And it's, you know, his passion, his dream. And, um, you know, he'll keep doing it as long as God provides the way and uh, until we're called somewhere else. But, um, you know, we... Feel like four is a handful. It's just like <laughs> constant chaos, controlled chaos, but chaos.
1: And do you have any family here now? No, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> just your NASCAR family. Yeah, You guys that's have right. a good uh, friendship base. Of, we of, do. We like, have a lot amazing, of close people. Yeah, yeah. amazing
0: yeah. support group and friends. Yeah. And but yeah, we. It's funny. We were like one and done after we had Trace. One fits our lifestyle great. And we have four now and. We're still kind of like, well... Like, who knows? Yeah, mm. who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> so, I've already got my eye on a little girl in China. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, pull, up,
1: pull on that faith and pull on those heartstrings. Oh, boy, I know. So, we, we gosh, we've talked so much about family and, and this adoption process, which is awesome. Um, I, I hear all different types of stories, so it's just great to hear things firsthand and... Listen to the stories, and um, it's just really awesome. You've yeah, thanks just for letting such us. Such a great thing. Share our story. Such a great thing. Yeah. On another front, you guys are a part owner in the GoPro Motorplex with Justin, and how's yeah. that going? That's what, in it's how many years are we into that now? Two or three? I drive past that every single day, so yeah. I'm always watching what's going on. This
0: will be their fourth year.
1: Yeah, fourth yeah. year. Gosh. Yeah. It just seems amazing. I know. So yeah. so proud of Justin. And that's and going all well. The work yeah. Yeah, have all kinds of uh, things going on constantly over there. Yeah, so, yeah. Last night I think I drove by; it was cars everywhere, and I remember that you guys were having a car show. Yeah, and um, yeah, you can tell when the big races are in town. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fun. It's been great. It's definitely yeah. something that was I feel needed here. Yeah the uh race city (laughs) how how much of uh your time does that take in terms of the business part of that or is that yeah
0: not much really um you know mike was active in uh getting it up and running the idea behind it all and processing all of that getting approved and uh you know the big dream up of it yeah but day to day yeah we don't have as much involvement yeah so you know, something that hopefully in the future we'll get to be involved more. But right now, you know, we have our hands full. Yeah, You're so going to have thankful. a family of
1: some kart racers, I assume. Yeah? Yeah. Has Trace in any You know, Trace started there? out when he was a little bit,
0: you know, a couple of years ago doing a little bit of the baby cart stuff yeah. and then he had a little bit of a crash and then watched <laughs> a friend have a little bit of a crash and now he's a little timid so yeah that happens but yeah our little uh emma she might be our racer she loves to drive she loves speed so oh like, goodness <laughs> girlfriend Get your tutu out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you need you need some calmness, right? That's you can right. sit through a few dance recitals or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone always thinks that the, the kids are going to be racers. Yeah.
0: So. Mike's, like, totally cool. He's like, I'm not going to push it. Yeah. If they
1: want to do it, I'll,
0: you know, take them through it. But we're not pushing this thing.
1: It's well, expensive. <laughs> I was going to say, it's expensive. And he's been, you know, in the years that he's been involved in this, has been some trying times yeah. with the economy and everything. Yeah. So, it's, um, it's, uh, it's I tell Carson the same thing, you know, she wants to race and I'm like, I, she, she, she thinks I'm not supportive when I tell her how hard it is and how few the opportunities are, you know, yeah. well, mom, do you think I can't do it? And and it's like, no, I don't think that you can't do it, Yeah. but I just know that of the 3000 people that can do it, there's, you know, 40 some spots on this day to race and 40 mm-hmm. some spots on this day. And it takes a lot to get there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so anything else you want to talk about before we move on? It's been an awesome story. Oh, yeah. yeah, really, Glad really you cool. Could have me, thanks. All yeah. right, cool. Well, we're going to move into our TG Hair 911. Hair 911, what's your emergency? So, you have beautiful long hair. <laughs> Thank so, you, you can, um, you might have some. some We're going to talk about fine flat hair this week. Oh, that's me. That's me. (laughs) I know. That's me too. So through our Twitter handle and Facebook pages, we wanted to check in with folks who wanted lived-in textured hair with better stability. So that was our Hair 9-1 and our TG Creatives folks have come to the rescue. Christy Tucker wrote in, uh, she needs body for her fine flat hair. I can relate. Yes. Yes, I can (laughs) totally relate. I got a few layers in mine recently from... um, a a tg expert and that's helped me some layers always help yeah that's helped me a lot so hey christy hope you're ready for a night on the town pumps check sexy dress check favorite lipstick check now you're almost ready the only thing missing is your favorite stylist and your new best friend joyride tg's joyride is revolutionary and iconic the texturizing powder bomb defrizzes and gives a lived-in textured for easier styling now i did use this um ak used this product on me um I, I liked it pretty good. It's, um, I've never used like sort of like a powder type bomb for my hair. You know, yeah. you have the pomade, you have the mousses and all that different thing. So um, it is a pretty um, interesting product. Joyride is amazing for that second day hair. I can't do second day hair on the first day and will allow you to get the body you've always dreamed of. Well, at least for your hair. <laughs> i like food too much to get that body that i dreamed of yeah <laughs> how about you leftovers i
0: always got to clean up the kids plates. i was gonna say do you have
1: time for do you have time for yourself workout or nails or anything no yeah at my this husband point is pretty good to me so i oh do good. have my nails <laughs> he gives you that time my manicure yeah awesome uh, don't forget that you can pick up Joyride Texture Powder Bomb at your local Ulta location. You can also visit ulta.com and enter TG15 and save 15% on your favorite TG dollars at checkout. All right, so we're going to end Jamie with rapid fire. Um, okay. She'll make it sound as rapid as we need to. Sometimes we're not so rapid. Okay. <laughs> uh, biggest pet peeve? Oh, a dog licking. Licking the floor, licking a
0: toy, licking itself. I hate that noise. And you have a dog. We have a beautiful (laughs) yellow lab that understands when I snap my fingers. You better stop it. No licking allowed (laughs) with Jamie. (laughs) Favorite Disney movie? Oh, if I mean Frozen. Who doesn't love Frozen? Especially two little girls. This is going to be good. (laughs) Go-to
1: hairstyle. Straight, down, straight, (laughs) flat. (laughs) Favorite racetrack? Oh,
0: I love Daytona. Yeah. I think that they do a really good job at uh, taking care of the families. And um, it's fun to watch. And Super Speedways are not every wife's favorite track. And especially when Mike started out, I always told everybody, oh, my gosh, it feels like I'm taking my kindergartner to school for the first time. And nobody wants to play with him on Playground. <laughs> you got to find those drafting partners. But, uh, you know, he's really worked his way into being a really good super speedway driver, and uh, it's fun to watch.
1: It's a good one. Most fun activity to do with your kids?
0: Mm, We love to swim. We, for the first time in the last year, we have a pool in our backyard, which is so nice because you don't have to load up all the toys and the bag and the towels and the sunscreen and all that and drive down to the neighborhood pool. Yeah. Throw them out in the backyard. Everyone starts getting crazy in the house. I'm like, okay, I'm going swimming.
1: <laughs> Everybody can deal with that, right? That's right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on and sharing your story and being with me today. And I hope my listeners have certainly loved it. I certainly have enjoyed getting to know you. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, you're quite welcome. Thank you for listening to this week's Fast Family. Hey everyone, this is Ron Lamasters, host of Historically Speaking. Tune in every Friday as Steve Richards and I take a look through history at numbers, trends, topics, and lists from the world of junior motorsports and NASCAR. That's every Friday right here on Dirty Mo Radio. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio.